Hello, everybody. This is Wendy Nystrom with Environmental Social Justice. Today's guest is Mr. Alex Bernhardt. He is the Global Head of Sustainability Research with BNP Paribas. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Eddie. Very nice to be here. So nice to have you. And, you know, you are an expert in sustainability. When I reached out to you, I loved the work that you guys were doing. And one of the things I want to talk about is what are the trends in our sustainable investment structures? Uh, it's a very valid question. I think we're at a, a really interesting point in the overall evolution of sustainable investment more, more broadly. Uh, and the way that I think about it, I think it's sort of in a broad historical context, which is, which is helpful for me anyway, to understand where we are today and the inflection point uh, that I mentioned. So when sustainable investment first sort of started or became uh, a, a real going concern in, in sort of the modern finance movement was uh, in the, say, the 80s and 90s when there were a number of activist groups that were trying to use investment portfolios as a means of aligning, uh, achieving uh, environmental or social goals. Uh, so the anti-apartheid movement and the anti-tobacco movements both pressed for investors to divest uh, in order to send a signal and to uh, help to align portfolios with a, a moral outlook that they that they were uh, applying um, that didn't get to become mainstream per se because it was you know really driven by an activist view um, what has happened in the 20 years since the turn of the century is a, a different focus um, the the un principles for responsible investment were, were formed back in i think 2004 2005 thereabouts and have has grown now to a uh, hundred trillion dollar plus uh, concern, meaning that asset owners and asset managers with that many assets under management have now signed up to the UNPRI, which essentially says uh, that we will consider at the, at the highest levels of the organization, they have agreed to consider the influence of environmental, social and governance factors on their investments. And uh, this is a, a <laughs> this has been made at the, the topmost uh, parts of the organization to, to agree to do that. You know, I love the fact you brought up the vast history because most people don't realize that this does go back, you know, quite a few years. It just didn't become popular or, you know, in our, you know, immediate uh, foresight until recently yeah. when people started saying, you know, maybe I shouldn't be putting my investment dollars into something that's polluting the environment or causing harm or causing damage. And that's when that whole ESG movement really took off. And not focusing on the criticisms because we all know about that. And I, I really want to focus on moving forward. And what can we expect in the future of our ESG investing? Because it is important. It's, it's valuable for us. Well, I, th I think that there are a number of uh, things that we can look forward to in the sustainable finance or investment fields go going forward. Um, so for me, the, the logical evolution from SRI or socially responsible investing, which is that sort of morally motivated approach to investing that I mentioned earlier, to ESG investing, which is really focused on risk and, and trying to understand what the, the risk drivers are to companies that maybe go beyond the, the current balance sheet. Um, and, and now what we're moving towards, I think, is this sort of third phase of the evolution of sustainable investment, which is really more of a focus on impact. Yes. Uh, and, and what is the impact that our investments have on the real economy and that how are the companies that we're investing in driving positive environmental or social change. So it's less about looking at the impact of ESG factors on our portfolio and more of looking at the, the impact of, of uh, ESG factors on, on the broader environment or society. 
and I think this is a you know right now because of some of the criticisms that are, are we're facing in the in the industry, uh, we're moving in the direction more of impact in a in a in a really forceful way. I think in the next uh, the next twenty years of of our evolution will be really around that impact conversation, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think people are finally understanding why this matters. And, you know, Europe and UK have been well ahead of us in our sustainable initiatives. We all know this. So the US is catching up very quickly. We're running fast. And uh, we now have, you know, regulatory environments. So as you mentioned, we had the UNPRI, which is the um, Oh, God, I'm forgetting what that stands for. But um, basically responsible investing. We have so many regulatory environments right now. It's an alphabet soup. <laughs> a lot of people, because this is for the general public to understand what's going on, not financial advisors. Um, some people may not know which one should I use. You know, is it SASB? Is it TCFD? Is it GRI? Is it PRI? NASDAQ? Will any of these be consolidating in the future? I mean, I know SASB consolidated with VRF, or sorry, um, the IIRC became the VRF. Are we going to see more of that just to make life a little bit simple? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I certainly hope so. Uh, consolidation is already happening, as you said. You mentioned the SASB merger with uh, with VRF into the ISSB, which is the I think the International Sustainability Standards Board. Uh, and so that was much welcomed by many of us in the industry because, as you mentioned, it's very hard for corporates that are trying to report against these frameworks and for investors which are trying to understand the reportings to to know exactly what to look for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. And so, yeah, consolidation definitely needs to happen in the voluntary space. And that's that's already starting to take place. What we're what we're now starting to see as well in the last several years has been a shift from voluntary uh, ESG related disclosures to now regulators taking taking this seriously and, and mandating ESG disclosures. And this is starting most most obviously in Europe under the um, EU taxonomy and sustainable finance disclosure regulation and aspects of, I mean, the, the, the alphabet soup gets really long here, but MIFID, MIFID <laughs> 2 and CSRD, which is the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive. These are all uh, laws that are coming into force or have already come into force in some cases or are coming into force over the next years or, uh, or months even. And uh, what we're going to see is a pretty significant um, phase shift, I think, in ESG reporting, certainly amongst yeah. European uh, companies and European financial institutions. And, and we've been sort of at the along with all of our European peers, sort of at the center of that, uh, as SFDR compliance has come into force this last year. So we've been working really hard on our own reporting uh, rules and, and regime. And, and um, yeah, this is a lot happening there. And now what we're seeing uh, outside of Europe is, is a growing interest in governments from other jurisdictions, in particular, uh, or notably, I should say, the U.S., uh, Securities uh, Exchange, the SEC. What does the SEC stand Security for? Security Exchange Commission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a, a we get so many acronyms. <laughs> I know too many acronyms. Um, I should know that one though. Anyway, the uh, <laughs> uh, the SEC has put out some some guidance on uh, what they expect now from companies to disclose, disclose rather relative to to climate uh, climate change risks. There's a lot of discussion there about scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions, and which which should be required for companies to report. But they've also set out some guidelines for uh, fund financial advisors and fund managers, which say that they need to now uh, properly label their their strategies, whether they're ESG light, ESG 
you know, dark green or, uh, or impact funds to, to paraphrase, uh, they have their own terminology, but that's the, the general gist of it. And so that's, that's in, a lot of that's in keeping with what we see already happening in Europe. Um, yeah. But we'll, it remains to be seen once the rulemaking process is over how it will end in the SEC, uh, the SEC process will, will end, but, but there's a lot happening, uh, suffice oh, to yeah. say. I mean, I'm, I would hope that the SEC would take some cues from what Europe is doing since they kind of have a little more traction going on over there and we can learn from their mistakes. We can learn from what worked. And one of the things that I recently read today was just how many people are getting hired in this position for ESG analyst, ESG research, reporting. It's exploding, which is fantastic. We need this for the job market. And I love the fact that it is for something so positive. But um, we need to make sure that the right people with the right backgrounds are getting into these roles, which, and BNP has been a leader in the US. I mean, I researched you guys. You guys have been doing this well before it became popular. You have focused on sustainability and being green and doing the right thing. So, you know, congratulations on that for, for being a leader in that. But we need to make sure that everybody moves forward in this, in this direction, which won't be easy. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it won't. There's, uh... Uh, there's, but I, I mean, I, I see the same things that you, you see as well. I mean, the talent space around ESG or sustainability more, more broadly, not just in the finance sphere is, is exploding the other job opportunities and, and, uh, roles all over the place. Uh, and there's definitely a, a talent war going on, uh, related to that. And it's, uh, it's an exciting time. Um, I, I think for those of us in the profession, but it's also an exhausting time because there's. The reason yeah. why the, the talent um, race is exploding is because there's so many more things to be done in this space. It, 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 we've moved in, in, some, in some jurisdictions like in Europe from the last year or so into a regulatory compliance regime and away from a voluntary, you know, it became a, yeah. a must have instead of a nice to have. And, and when you, you know, suddenly get that level of scrutiny on what you're doing, it becomes a much more important uh, uh priority for the organization which is great in my in my opinion and, and something that we're going to see more of as time goes on no we're going to see some great talent really develop new new strategies and one of the things you talked about was um with with respect to impact investing was double materiality and could you explain as simply as possible what that means <laughs> uh i'll try my best i mean the the, the short version is that uh, sustainability has sort of two different dimensions to it when you look at it from the perspective of an investor. One is you know, what what uh, risks do sustainability trends pose to the companies you're investing in? That's the first dimension of, of materiality. And the second is what impacts are companies having on these sustainability trends uh, yeah. in the environment or, or society? and understanding both of those different dimensions or lenses on uh, materiality is becoming increasingly important. And, you know, as I, as I said earlier, ESG has had for the last 20 years has grown into this really mainstream consideration that's really been focused on the, the first dimension of, of, of materiality. And I think the next phase of the evolution of the industry will be focused on that second dimension of, of materiality, the one you know, that's looking outwards uh, at the company's impact on, on the world. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to look, you know, to look down the road and see how will we affect people 10, 15, 20 years from now. And many of our, you know, um, Native Americans with the whole seventh generation discussion, how will my activities today affect seven generations down the line? And we need to really think about that because we kind of lost our way for the last hundred years or so. <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of need to bring it back home and realize 
okay, it's about stakeholders and how we're affecting everybody around us. And, um, you know, where if, if you had um, words of knowledge for people who are in new to impact investing or just learning about it, where would you say would be like the most important thing to focus on right now? Because personally, I think it's our grid, our infrastructure, but I could be wrong. Well, there, there are, so the, the, I, I take that question in, in two ways. I think one is, you know, what, where, what parts of the economy do we need to invest in to drive positive impact? But the other, the other aspect of the question too is, is how, how as investors, can you be sure that your, your processes or your approach to investment is, is maximizing impact? And then I'll try and address sort yeah. of both those angles on the question um, in terms of, you know, where, where to invest for impact. I mean, there's, there's uh, no shortage of parts of the economy that need to be, say, decarbonized in order for us to meet our collective net zero goals, you know, BNP, private asset management, where, where I sit, and, and many of our peers have signed up to the net zero asset managers initiative. Uh, there's similar net zero initiatives in the banking and in the insurance and in the asset owner communities, uh, which collectively control $100 plus trillion in, in assets and have all now committed, at the, again, at the highest levels of the organizations to, to align their portfolios with that zero. But if we, uh, if the economy does not uh, move in the direction of net zero at the, at the required pace, then, then our ability to invest in, in net zero aligned portfolios gets, gets diminished. Uh, we have a much smaller investable universe. And so we have a collective interest now, uh, all of us who have committed to net zero to work uh, to try and shift the economy towards that, that net zero direction. So I think that you know, climate and, and the net zero challenge are really first and foremost on a lot of people's minds for, for yeah. impact investing. But I think it's also really important that when we invest in these, in these solutions to you know, low carbon technologies or either their existing technologies or, or new technologies that might be coming to the fore, that we apply a, a social justice dimension to those investments. Because if we, if we decarbonize uh, and are able to combat climate change, but we exacerbate inequality or you know, somehow make, uh, make the transition less, less just than, than we currently are, it's, we're gonna basically swap one systemic risk for another. And, and that's not an acceptable outcome in my opinion. So we have a lot of, a lot of work to do to support the uh, analysis at the intersection of those two major issues, climate change and, and, and inequality say. Um, uh, and I'm excited to be working on, on a lot of initiatives related to that right now, but, but, um, yeah, that, I think that's the, the big challenge from the impact, uh, investing standpoint is how do we scale up capital so that we reach that, the net zero goal at, while doing it in a, in a socially just way. Um, and then if you look at the investor perspective too, and how, how, you know, how investors can be auditing, say, their own processes to make sure that they're being as impactful as possible. There's a, there's a conversation that needs to take place in the industry around uh, additionality. And it's, it's a really tricky subject. It's one that is um, that has a lot of complexity to it. Um, and, you know, the, the question that additionality asks essentially is, well, how is the capital you're providing drive, actually contributing to change that wouldn't have otherwise happened? And mm -hmm answering that question is is very hard for a lot of yeah. investors uh and so we, we need to think really you know more about about the ways that we're gonna we're gonna address that going forward as, a, as an industry i love the fact you're focusing on social justice because so many people kind of treat it in the background you know they they kind of focus on the environment and they focus on you know profitability making sure we're investing in something that will make more money 
the social justice aspect, the equity, diversity, inclusion, that is, in my opinion, probably the most important thing is, you know, treating people fairly and making sure your activities don't impact someone else's life. And that is great that that's the first thing that you brought up. Um, really shows value and character of you and your company. Um, so, um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's true. You guys, you know, you guys are doing a good job. So um, how can people find you? What can you help them with? Are you looking for more investors? Are you looking to maybe train or bring in some more youngins to do the ESG strategy with you guys? <laughs> I mean, all uh, all of the above, I, I think. Uh, yeah, well, we, we are an asset manager uh, with a global presence. We are always interested to have discussions about investment opportunities. Um, happy to happy to have those conversations. Um, and uh, yeah, we're we're also growing our team. I mean, we we've we've gone. I think on the research side, we've we've grown pretty significantly over the last uh, year or so. And there are more more positions that we're we're looking to hire for in the relatively near future. So. Definitely check out our careers, <laughs> careers Definitely. page and see if there's anything uh, that you're interested in. And beyond uh, asset management, too, we're part of a much larger banking group, BNB Paribas group, and and there's many positions uh, I'm sure available there as well from the sustainability with a sustainability orientation as well. Because we we've you know in our sustainability journey, you've referenced this uh, a couple of times, Wendy, but we we've, we've positioned sustainability really at the heart of our of our overall business strategy. Our, our new tagline at BNP Paribas Asset Management is the sustainable investor for a changing world. And, and that applies to, you know, our, our entire business. And I, I don't, I don't know of any, uh, or, or many or, or any uh, other asset managers that have really put sustainability so central to their business, um, you know, certainly managers of our, of our size. And so I think that that's a differentiating factor for us and something that, um, that you know, I hope to see more of uh, in the industry is you know, more more realization of how important sustainability is to the next phase and the evolution of our industry. Yeah, and you guys were also the longevity you have in this field. Um, you know, you've been doing this for some time. It's not something you just decided to focus on the last three four years. It's, you have a long history in this, so um, it's well established. So hence the heart of your company. So um, on that, I thank you so much, Alex. This has been very insightful and, and hopefully some people will now understand that ESG is necessary, it's important, and it is really the best way we can focus moving forward to you know, decarbonize our atmosphere, get things back to being a little more green, <laughs> a little healthier for everybody, a little more equal to everybody. So thank you for that. And I, I really enjoyed our talk today. Likewise, Wendy, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I'm Wendy Nystrom with Environmental Social Justice. We will see you guys next time. And again, thank you, Alex and uh, BNP Paribas. Wonderful conversation. You guys take care.